0: to BoobTube, the podcast where smart women talk about what they're watching and not watching. I'm Amanda Teuscher.
1: And I'm Sarah Whitus. Good, uh,
0: good morning.
1: Good <laughs> morning. We're uh, taking a slight uh, detour from the way we usually do things and recording first thing in the morning, which is I hate odd, it. odd for us. <laughs> I
0: hate suge- <laughs> I suggested it. It's completely my fault, and I <laughs> feel terrible.
1: <laughs> uh, if Amanda... Um, have you had coffee yet? If no, falls I in the no because of I podcast. kept like
0: thinking I didn't have time to make it, and so no, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't had coffee, and we're going to be talking about the patriarchy, so things are going to get weird.
1: It's going to get weird. Um, <laughs> uh, just if you start to fall asleep in the middle of the podcast, then you'll know what I feel like watching. Basically, anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know our roles are reversed right now. <laughs> I know.
1: I'm ne- and I'm never more awake than I am, like, before 10 a.m. Yeah, so, you're like, insufferable I, right now. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm like, let's go. Um, so one thing that I, I had wanted to talk about this week was um, how bad I thought the Handmaid's Tale finale was. So we're just <laughs> going to then... have a full Margaret Atwood. I know, this is actually, this is a full Margaret Atwood. I'm not really actually going to talk about that, because then I found out yesterday (laughs) that the episode I thought was the finale was the second to last episode. Oh, well, that's a really Yeah, the finale's live today. Um, But so what that amounts to is that The Handmaid's Tale had a really bad, I thought, second to last episode. Um, So even knowing that it was the penultimate, you still think it was bad? Um. So, yeah, it gives me a slightly different perspective on it because, like, literally for an entire week, I was like, that finale was so, like, just didn't resolve anything. It was weird. They introduced a new character in the last, you know, in the ep- Anyway, and I was, like, annoyed. It ended on this really downbeat, weird note and um, and nothing really happened. So I was, like, just mad about it for a week. In the context that it is the second to last episode, I'm less annoyed but it still was uh, not very good. And I don't, I just, I don't know. I talked about this a little bit before, but all of the characters on Handmaid's Tale are just kind of running into a wall in terms of their storylines. And it, I, I'm i curious to see this. So the finale is live today, so I'll be watching it later tonight. And I'll, I'll probably maybe have one last check-in on it next week. But... The thing that I would still maybe want to bring up, despite the fact that I'm not going to talk about the finale, is the fact that... So I was on Twitter yesterday, and... Um, Heard of it. <laughs> Twitter.com, get with the program. Great website. Um, yeah, a place for friends. And um, I I saw a retweet of... Uh, yesterday, there was a great like thing happened where a Washington Post writer um, accidentally sourced... Clickhole.com <laughs> for an article about uh like Trump going to the UK, so that like kind of took Twitter by storm in the morning, and then so I saw another retweet that was like I hope this is another Clickhole piece, and it was about a new selection of a Handmaid's Tale wine being produced by this company called lot 18 obviously in conjunction so insane with hulu yeah and it was like so someone linked to it and i was like this is
0: like i would have thought that was a joke
1: exactly that's why they were like i hope this is another clickable thing i'm just gonna read a short description of one of the wines okay here we go this is a description of the wine completely stripped of her rights and freedom Offred must rely on the one weapon she has left to stay in control, her feminine wiles. This French Pinot Noir is similarly (laughs) seductive. It's dark berry fruit and cassis aromatics so beguiling it seems almost forbidden to taste. Wait, 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 wait. But it's useless to resist the wine's smooth and appealingly earthy what profile, so you might bell. as well give in. Wait, it uses what? literally the language of rape culture to describe this wine, which is called Alfred. Which is like oh my the name God. that this woman is given it's by. It's not her even her master. real name. Yeah, it's like her like literally given by the master of the house. It's the master's name. It literally means of this man. Of Fred. <laughs> of Fred. Yeah. Um so what? Margaret Lyons of uh of New- the New York Times had had tweeted that um selection with, you know, just like can you turn rape into marketing copy? Sure, you bet. Great. It's for the Handmaid's Tale wine. Good lord. <laughs> Love it. Like, I, it's useless to resist, so you might as well give in. I cannot. So I retweeted this, and then a, a friend of mine, shout out to Bethany uh, in Philadelphia. Hi, Bethany. She's, hey, Bethany. She's listening. Um, then responded to that by saying, you know, I started watching the first season, and I was really turned off by... The marketing surrounding this show and I was like oh I don't really know what you're talking like what are you talking about like the only marketing I really know of is like I don't know trailers on Hulu and she linked me to a vulture article that was written a few months back I think around the time that the new season debuted and um, it's like about all of the merchandising um, partnerships that Hulu has done Um, And regarding the show, um, unsurprisingly, some of them in partnership with The Wing, uh, the like women only, very expensive women only co-working space um, that is like just a little kind of problematic in a few different ways and is generally annoying on Instagram. Um, But it's just like marketplace feminism to the worst possible oh my God. extent. And I mean, the the Vulture article kind of, you know, kind of really summed it up well, I thought, which like, you know, kind of uh, there's something especially galling about treating The Handmaid's Tale, which derives its narrative and thematic potency from a horrifically prescient and plausible vision of women's sustained systemic disempowerment as a vehicle for a hollow who, uh, who run the world message of girl power and i was just like it's just a lot of like you know don't let the bastards grind you down like t-shirts at hot topic it's like you know oh books and pens and stuff with like i wonder how margaret Mercy atwood B feels about it. this i mean i wonder i mean maybe she doesn't give a shit and she's like money 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 i'm like i can't really blame her but like i i mean i'm guessing that she doesn't have a lot of say in it i mean sign the thing over and i'm sure she could have made demands but part of me is like i'm
0: fine with like mainstreaming of feminist ideas that were once considered radical or like Mm -hmm. mainstreaming um a certain type of fear that most people ignore right now you know Mm -hmm. but like boy the, the thing is that that, just, that well no the thing is that that ugh. message is not actually being telegraphed right it's not being made, it's being exactly there's distorted. no to it like that yeah. that copy on that wine is so unbelievably Golly. missing the point
1: yeah yeah and it and the fact that it it appropriates this language of the the patriarchy and of like this rape culture language to talk about this and then and then sell the wine I mean of course it's like you know the horrors of capitalism should no longer surprise us but like I just it's useless to resist the wine's smooth
0: and appealingly earthy profile so you may as well give in no (laughs) indeed
1: wow and this is, again, a woman about, and it's, like, not only is Offred, like, basically a slave in the house, but the whole point is that she's raped all the time. So, like, you might as well give in. I and they're basically can't.
0: saying, they're objectifying her as a bottle of wine and saying that she, like, that's it. That yeah. she's just, like... She's seducing you with a, her her dark berry fruit and cussy aromatics,
1: which is also just like again that is just not that's not even that's not even what happened. Like, I don't even understand because like they right like that's not how she didn't become
0: this, a handmaid because she was super sexy and she was because she was, yeah. had a viable womb.
1: <laughs> and I I mean there's like some degree of manipulation on her part, but it's just it's not it, it it's not it's completely not. i just can't wow anyway so i was like very i was pretty upset and i didn't know about any of this um beforehand and i'm like kind of going into the finale like you know it's interesting because so we're going to talk mostly in this episode about alias grace right another um margaret atwood adaptation that i think tonally is just so different from handmaid's tale and also but you know what's interesting is that i was thinking about this because Um, now Netflix doesn't really do this kind of aggressive merchandising with its products. I mean, even things like major hits, right? Like Orange is the New Black or like Stranger Things and stuff. Like, I don't, I don't see, you know, this kind of, um, authorized partnership merchandising. I mean, maybe, you know, it's just Netflix has more money than God and they don't like need to, but it just really like, oh, man, does it dilute the message and take away from the impact of of the show to me. Well, what I wonder, really too, is how off. many,
0: yeah, I wonder how many people that are buying those shirts or, like, notebooks are actually watching the show.
1: <laughs> are watching the show, have read the book, like, know anything about just, like, the the context that these kind of messages, um, I mean, like, and I don't even understand putting, like, Blessed Be" on shirts and stuff. Again, it's just, like, the language of, the fascist state that is like, why? I don't understand why that's cute. Like I don't Ugh. get it. So anyway, there's clearly just like no context. Um, but like I said, we really wanted to mainly, we talked, we said last week that we were gonna um, both get into alias grace because you had just finished the book. Um, and we both finished the show.
0: Yes. So speaking of stories where women's, uh, takes on their situation and their own personal identity and narrative are kind Mm -hmm. of stripped from them and turned into a cute little label on a wine bottle um (laughs) not like that literally happened to grace marks in this show but this is a book and a mini series on netflix that was very much about you know women's uh uh, narrative and like how they tell their own stories and what is believed and how things are misinterpreted or reinterpreted by the public and like the male public at large. So the book was written in '96, I want to say, um, mm-hmm. it was in the '90s, and it's about it's about a woman who actually lived in uh, Ottawa in the 18. 18- uh 40s she was... I didn't
1: find this out until i was yeah the show. so
0: she was convicted at the age of 16 she was an irish immigrant who'd been you know impoverished her whole like short life um up until this point and she was convicted of murdering her uh employer thomas kinneyer and his housekeeper uh nancy montgomery um she and another servant uh were were tried for murder and convicted. He was hanged. She just got her life she her sentence was commuted to life in prison. And then 30 years later because people had, you know, been like, "Oh, she might be innocent. She didn't know what she was doing." She uh, she was just innocent. She was she was she wasn't involved at all. Um James McDermott, the guy who was hanged, he had, you know, pressured her into it, blah blah blah. Anyway, her sentence was uh, she, she was exonerated. She was freed from prison and then never heard from again. She moved to the United States and, like, no one really knows what happened to her. So Margaret Atwood pieced together and kind of filled in a biography, wrote a story about it. And it's such a good novel. And um, and then Netflix made a series about it, a six-part miniseries that was we both just enjoyed so much. What was your favorite thing
1: about it? God, I I just thought this was excellent. I mean, I loved. I think, like I was saying, I think it's totally really different from The Handmaid's Tale. I was trying to sell a friend on it, also on Twitter, um, the other day, and I was like, you know, it's all the all the all the storytelling about the horrors of the patriarchy uh, that you can get from The Handmaid's Tale without any of the abject torture. Um, so it's like a really right. different take on. Um, the, you know, the lack of autonomy, um, that is really just honestly just creeping out of on the, like, I feel like on the, on the perimeter of my life at all times. Right. Just like, (laughs) kind of like just a few, uh, regulations, um, a few laws passed or a few lack of, you know, regulations, honestly. And like, we could, you know, we're just not that separated from, from a past of like,
0: um, Right. Women and you know just what
1: I, having basically no control over their lives at all.
0: Yeah. And I was thinking about, you know, we talked last week about, like, why a show, like, The Handmaid's Tale, when it portrays rape, it's it's effective. And then why a show, when, like, Game of Thrones does it, it's just gross and mm-hmm. um, uh, gratuitous. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, you know, it's like, well, a lot of times in the, with Alias Grace, you know, on the show, they don't actually depict rape, but there's just... The, it's a lot the, of
1: in, implication. There's yeah.
0: like, the implication: Are you an always yeah. sunny fan? <laughs> no, they they won't leave really? because of the implication. They're like, "Are you talking about?" No, we won't rape them, but it's the implication anyway. The implication, um, yes, but it's yeah. Like there's this like a lot more con- intuiting
1: of it, yeah. yeah the like constant implied,
0: like at any moment, there's just a number of indignities you could suffer. You're made to do this, and you know, there's one line where she says, like, you know, a woman found in a man's or a man found in a woman's bed, and you know, she, she it's her fault whether she wanted him there or not. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, it's like the fear of it, which is what most women are thinking about every day. We're thinking, you know, mm-hmm. it's not so much, you know, even if you have never experienced sexual assault, you are, it could happen at any moment. And in this book, you know, in the 1840s, you know, in Canada, these women just have, they have no rights, especially poor women specifically. And, mm-hmm you know they're just walking around like trying to do what the people in power want them to do tell the stories that they want to be heard tell the um act the way they want to act there's this you know great um uh line that starts the entire series where grace is just talking about how everyone just sees her a certain way
1: yeah and i mean i I found that to be one of the most interesting parts of the show to me um, where, you know, I, I, it, it's interesting to watch it in the midst of watching The Handmaid's Tale. You yeah. Know? So so in The Handmaid's Tale, you know, we're talking about um, a future, which, you know, I won't say is entirely unrealistic, but it, it's like easier to be like, OK, well, we're talking about this theoretical dystopia where women have no agency over their bodies and over their decisions. They can't read, they can't, you know? Yeah. And, and then it's easy to sort of disassociate yourself from it a little bit. Like, okay, you know what? That's like, that's like the worst case future scenario. But then you watch Alias Grace and you remember like women in North, North America already lived this. And this is white yeah. women. You know, this is like, and this is poor white women to say nothing of, obviously, like, you know, black women, even in Canada. um, But it at the time but like you know so i love there was a line in the original vulture view review of the show um acknowledging that alias grace taps into the zeitgeist is essentially admitting that north american society in 2017 still has a lot in common with the north america of the mid to late 1800s yeah like the way that that women you know basically the handmaid's tale is sending women back to the 1800s and and you it's just like I you know it's it's just like easy to forget that like yes this already happened and it's not I mean through the 20th century maybe we weren't it wasn't the way it was in the 1840s but like still you know we're talking about women not really having full autonomy over their bodies until the 1970s right and um I just have found it I, I that was probably my, my favorite part of the show was just like hmm. kind of getting a little bit back in touch with. And you read about this kind of, but I I just, it was such, I don't think that you see this viewpoint that often a story told entirely from the perspective of a woman who, um, is living a life that was probably pretty normal for women in this era who, especially who are working as, as servants, where there's just men are preying on you at every turn. Right. Right. Um, so the show was directed by Mary Heron, who I mainly knew from from uh directing American, American Psycho. Psycho. Yeah. Um and written by Sarah Polly, who's a director and a writer. Um, she's Did also you a hear the story actress. about how
0: she originally approached no. Margaret Atwood? No. So she was a she so Sarah Polly was a like child star. She had starred in like the Disney Channel Road to Avon Lee, like the And L. she was Montgomery Ramona. Books. Yeah. And Ramona. Yes. yes. She's Ramona. Right. Yeah. And she, when she was 17, she had read alias grace and was just like, loved it so much that she wrote to Margaret Atwood asking her for the movie rights <laughs> when she was 17 and Margaret Atwood was wow. like, Nope, no. And then she went back to her like, like, you know, 20 years later. And she's like, okay, I think I'm ready now. <laughs> I'm not 17 anymore. And she, and, and interest, she wrote every single episode, you know, because yeah. she didn't really realize that, like, with TV, you have, like, a, usually a stable of writers. She ended up just writing every single episode. And there's only and then six. Got made, yeah. There's only six, but they're, you know, that's a lot. And it's she, a lot, yeah. She, she wrote, like, a screenplay for a very, very long movie. And mm-hmm. she, um and then she got Mary Heron to direct it because she was just like, I don't, I was like, I was worried I was going to screw it up. Because she couldn't mm-hmm. picture some of the scenes that she had written. So she was mm-hmm. just like, I need someone else to do this.
1: Yeah, for sure. And she's a experienced director, but I mean, yeah. certainly Mary Heron has more uh experience with like, I think um bigger films. Most of Sarah Polly's movies have been just much smaller scale. Yeah. Um I think than something even like like this and I think this originally aired on the Canadian Broadcasting. Um I think channel. CBC
0: um was in like they were like, "Yeah, this sounds good, but they needed like another person to help uh like fund it, and Netflix mm-hmm. put in like twenty five million. So yeah, CBC aired it first, and then it went to oh, Netflix. Oh okay, but like okay. it was like a Netflix show. I like produced show. Got it.
1: Okay, I didn't realize that. Actually, I thought it was like totally produced by the CBC. Um, yeah, that's my understanding. I, understand. um, I if, mean, did you? Margaret Atwood was a a producer, producer on it. Did yeah. You see, did you
0: see her cameo?
1: i did she's in she's in the church she's in the church she's like outrageous (laughs) yeah and i mean i love i noticed though when i was watching the opening credits of this show like most of the producers were women there's a few men but like this is a show that's written directed and mostly produced um by women and uh, shockingly you get this really nuanced you know Beautiful story of of what it's really like for a woman to uh, be living under this just oppressive society. I mean, I don't want to go too far into the details because truly, um, I mean, if you've read the book, I think it sounds like the the show Hughes pretty closely. It's good, yeah.
0: It takes the, the show. It's very. When I was watching the show, I was kind of like, "Oh, cool! Yeah, this this makes sense." And I felt like the, you know, the producer and the producers and the uh, writer and the director—they all kind of like knew what they were doing and they were capturing the, you know, in the book, you—it's—it's it's, Margaret Atwood does this a lot. It's like a mixture of different, um, like narration styles and mm-hmm. media. So she has like letters mm-hmm. in it. There are, and then there's parts where it's just grace talking in the first person and like kind of colloquial and you it's not always clear if she's telling it directly to the doctor he's this american doctor he's like a proto-psychologist that comes and he's trying to help this committee to uh to free her and he um you know she tells him her life story but through the book you know you're reading it just as if it's just her, you know, first-person narration, but sometimes it's clear that he's not there and she's just pretending to tell him. Mm-hmm. So it's not always clear, like, what what is true. You know, she's not a reliable narrator, but yeah. you know, still want to... You're projecting whatever you want to believe about her on her, which is true of women even now, but especially then, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's confusing. You don't know if she's lying to you. You don't know if she doesn't remember having murdered them or if she you know, was traumatized and, like, did faint or something like that. And I feel like the show does a really good job of, um, I guess, like, cutting it with different uh, scenes so you're not mm-hmm. really sure what you're watching is reality and yeah. showing two different versions of the same scene. It's much harder to create confusion and, like, uh, unease with... Uh, TV, Because when you're watching something, you're like, that's definitely happening. When you're reading mm-hmm. a book, you like, anything could be false, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that the show did a really good job of that. I think of all the things that have been written about me. That I am an inhuman female demon. That I am an innocent victim of a blackguard, forced against my will and in danger of my own life. That I was too ignorant to know how to act and that to hang me would be judicial murder. That I am well and decently dressed. That I robbed a dead woman to appear so. That I am of a sullen disposition with a quarrelsome temper. That I have the appearance of a person rather above my humble station. That I am a good girl with a pliable nature and no harm is told of me. That I am cunning and devious. That I am soft in the head and little better than an idiot. And I wonder. How can
1: I be all these different things at once? Yeah, and I mean I I I I want to yeah, again I don't want to say too much about about the ending of the show, which is I spectacular. so good. Spectacular. And like, <laughs> Sarah
0: was like, well, we could talk about it tonight. And like, I've, I've seen like most of it. I've seen four or five episodes. I'm like, we can't talk about it until it the <laughs> you see it. You have to have.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. you have to have the full. And you could really I mean, this is a show that you can get through in, in really like two or three days because it's oh, only six. So minute episodes. Um, and and you will just like digest them. You know, what's funny is I didn't actually the first episode. I will also say the first episode I didn't love. Um, It takes a little bit of. It's it's a little bit jarring. It takes a little bit, uh, I think, to get into it at first. I was wondering it's... about that,
0: yeah, because, like, I knew exactly what was happening, and I knew what mm-hmm. the style was. It all made sense to me, but I remember thinking, like, what would it be like to be watching this if I hadn't read the book and didn't know, like what sort of what this was setting up you know
1: yeah and I found I found some of the actors a little bit off-putting which didn't bother me um as the show went on and really I'm only talking about I didn't love the guy who played uh the doctor honestly Dr. Jordan um who's who's the psychologist who's Edward Holcroft Edward Holcroft who I guess is a thing in Britain who just looks exactly like 1992 David Duchovny he really does
0: it's the nose when you told me that i was like oh my god
1: yes yeah and the hair falling to the sides of his face he just looks like first season Mulder. like one it's so funny but
0: he is like his character in the show you know especially at the end in the last episode is very much like scully being confronted (laughs) with like supernatural things and she's just like i don't know what to do with this i don't have a scientific explanation
1: Right. He has to like he just like all he has is like his 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 science. Uh I didn't think he was like a great to me, he was like I don't know, he was no great shakes. He I thought didn't he was really good connect with me. Yeah, and then I thought the, he was the... actually
0: better than um what's his fl- face who played Jeremiah the Peddler. Oh I liked him,
1: Zachary Levi. Zachary liked, Levi, yeah. I liked him. I did I thought the guy who played uh McDermott, who is um sort of uh Grace's possible co-conspirator in these murders um i didn't think he was that great and i like also really the guy who played grace's dad who's only in the first episode i was like a little bit yeah so a few male characters i was like yeah but um the second episode we get into i mean we, we are introduced to a, a pivotal character um grace's friend mary whitney in the first episode who um we get into how really their friendship and their story and what happens to Mary in the second episode. And from that point, I was hooked. Like, right. I, I absolutely needed to know where this was going. I mean, it's also just a really fantastic show about uh, about trauma and the effect yeah. that, that trauma has on you, um, both mentally and, and the rage that can be inspired by just the horrible things that happen to you that just kind of can lie beneath the surface. Um, There's a really great line that jo- Dr.
0: Jordan says, and I don't know if it's also in the book. Um, hold on, I'm pulling it up now. Uh, it's so good. Okay, yeah, he says, I wonder how much sublimated rage she must have carried with mm-hmm. her, this child harassed on every corner. Because mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's kind of just like, what, you know, and that's the truth. Is like, women have so much sublimated rage? That's what, that's what. P- why PMS is such a strong, like, you know, uh, cultural like point, like to, <laughs> to dismiss women's concerns. Right. Like women, you know, I, women you know, be crazy. Like, there's some radical theory that P- like PMS is just like totally made up. Is a way to control women's anger. It's like when I think that to a large extent, like, obviously, like, hormones do affect your behavior and your emotional response to things, and, but what happens is, like, we have all this suppressed anger about things, and then sometimes you just can't suppress it anymore.
1: Yeah, and And that's, like, essentially what this show yeah, is about, and I mean, Grace, you know, it's hard, it's easy to kind of forget, but, like, most of, all of the the whole story takes place up basically to the point of grace being like 16 years old so she's very young too yeah and and she's you but know she's we find lived out so much <laughs> she's lived so much she's lived a hugely like, traumatic life yeah, she's and like crossed into, the
0: atlantic in the bottom of a ship that was just a horrifying trip where her mother died and then she's you know her you know her father preys on her, her like, and, and we get yeah, into like the like other like
1: indignities a, kind illegal of illegal
0: abortion to some, like with someone close to her that like leaves the person dead. It's just like, and so you have to take all know,
1: of this into account when you listen like to her, 15. recount her story.
0: There's another um, good line that's also in the book. And it's interesting to like knowing that Margaret Atwood was so heavily involved in it, knowing that every single line that was in the series was like one that she wants. She was like, no, you have to include that from the book. And there's this mm-hmm. one that's also in the book where Jamie Walsh, this other like farmhand, He's like, he's a year younger than her. And so he's 15 and she's 16 or something. And, and he's like, would you be my sweetheart? And she's just like, you're just a young boy. You're so much younger than me. And he's like, I'm only a year younger. And she goes, (laughs) there's such a difference between I'm, I'm a woman right now. And like, you have some more time before you're considered a man. It's like, Mm -hmm. women have to grow up so fast in the 1840s.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And I actually saw a thing online that was kind of like, I don't know, some dumbass was like, why um, they should have cast a different actress you know it doesn't make sense because we're listening to her recount the story that at this point has happened like 10 years later and she looks like the same that she does when she's 16. a uh that's dumb we have to obviously have the same person right or this story doesn't work but but also like yeah i think that's really um it's it's like she is grown up
0: yeah that that's point. a good point and they did you know, a good like, job i thought with the makeup they like and, and her, her cheeks voice. rosier and her in her voice her, is higher and she has her like wider voice eyes. Like they clearly were yeah. thoughtful about how like they to make not even different. just makeup, but like acting to make her 15 versus 32 or whatever. Yeah.
1: Uh we haven't even mentioned Sarah Gadon, I think, is who plays uh Grace. Yeah. She was so good. It's just amazing. I think that the Emmy nominations come out this week, actually, and I mean I feel like people have kind of forgotten about this show, uh, which I is know. unfortunate. That's... It didn't get a lot of buzz when it was on, but, I mean, she is outstanding. She's just really, really incredible, um, and I hope that she gets some kind of recognition yeah, for this. Yeah, I just She's want this series to great. get some
0: recognition because it's, like, it's so good. This, is like, entirely women-led series, and, yeah, I just...
1: It's sometimes it's Netflix's
0: model of just doing so many different things you're going to have like some real gems just get lost. Right.
1: Know? I know exactly. There's just like so much stuff. Um, I don't want to, again, like, we don't want to talk too much about the ending because you really don't want to be spoiled for it. But if you do watch the show, get in touch. Because, honestly, this is a show, I also feel like it just left me with so much more to think about, honestly, than Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Like, the show ended and, like, Tom and I talked about it for, like, an hour. We were just sitting there, like, kind of, like, parsing through the possible like our interpretations of of the ending of this show, which is really confounding and kind of defies like a a straightforward interpretation, I think. There's a lot of different ways you can Right. Can see and
0: it. deliberately so. Like Margaret Atwood is very specific. Like it needs to be ambiguous. You're not yeah. supposed to like she doesn't want to say whether she thought she were innocent or not. And like that's not the point. The point is mm-hmm. just that like how how one person's life can have so many different stories, especially, specifically, like, poor women. Like, how yeah. they, you know, they're subjected to so many different people's interpretations of who they are. Um, yeah. And I'll also say this without spoiling the ending. Like, it's perfect. It's creepy. Um, and I loved it. It's very... Loved like, it. this, it also, you know, the book in the series, they incorporate like you know the spiritualist movement of the time and like you know psychology was kind of a new thing so they were kind of the way they were thinking of it was a little bit like you know uh a
1: little bit um, witch doctory
0: yeah but like yeah so it was just kind of like you know, primitive and how they were conceiving of like the human mind. Um, Mm -hmm. and so there was also like, you know, mesmerisms like with hypnotism and stuff like that. And then, you know, people thinking like worried about like spirits and seances and they, which all all
1: of which is honestly like, I'm sure to a lot of people just as plausible as the idea of like, of course, well, it was like extrapolating about someone's mental state. Yeah. (laughs) It's
0: considered a science. So anyway, the last episode incorporates some of that and it's just wonderful and creepy. Um, and exactly what i wanted so yeah so it was great hang on and watch the whole thing
1: yeah party like it's november 2017 and and get on uh Hand yeah and, i mean i get on alias grace 52 or whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah. um so for this week watching i am trying to get into sharp objects which oh uh, uh,
0: yeah, I keep hearing about
1: it. Yeah, I don't really know anything about it except that it's like based on the novel by jillian Flynn, who did uh *Gone Girl*. Um, yeah, talking it looks about pretty it. good and
0: creepy.
1: Yeah, looks like there's like creepy crime. Love creepy crime. Love creepy um,
0: crime when it's not happening to me. Right, when people. it's
1: happening to other people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Much better when it's happening to fake people.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, like Amy Adams, whoever Amy Adams is is uh, playing I assume in this show. So I want to get on Sharp Objects. Um, That's going to be one that's like kind of refreshing to go back and watch a show that's not on a streaming service because you're like, Oh cool. There's only one episode at a time.
0: You wait, wait, where's (laughs) it on?
1: That's on HBO. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and I also need to catch up on Pose, which I'm like, oh, it's so nice to have a show that's one week at a time. and then i but you're bad at it. Six weeks behind on the show. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that is one that I need to catch up on. Uh, what about, what are you watching or not watching? Anything interesting?
0: Um, I might wa- start watching Sharp Objects. Yeah. I also, you mentioned... Um, Dietland, which is an yes. AMC show that I've heard some buzz about, that actually yes. looks pretty good. Um, yeah. So
1: I had my my cousin actually does work for AMC, and she texted me yesterday, being like, "You should watch Dietland." And she was like, "You should you should talk about it on her show."
0: <laughs> the actress who plays the main character like looks pretty charming and funny.
1: Um, and I know that Roxanne Gay really likes it. She does. See, um, that's, some... that's a
0: good selling point. That
1: is that's a good endorsement. I trust that endorsement um not watching i the new trailer for orange is the new black came out this week and just reminds me that when that comes back i won't be watching it yeah i i we just we've been talking a lot about like what is the what is the concept behind uh Netflix renewing or not renewing shows. Why? I mean, I guess it's like they wouldn't keep bringing back a show. Like it's like the six. it has to be like the longest running show on Netflix at this point. Um, I think so. Yeah. It was like the first wave of Netflix television shows. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, yeah, but I'm over it. I don't need any more. They're in a prison. I get um, it.
0: So I'm not watching comedians in cars.
1: Getting coffee. <laughs> oh, yeah. For sure not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think Netflix keeps trying to be like, have you considered this Jerry Seinfeld? I'm like, no, I'm not. Yes, I've looked at it, but I haven't even considered watching it. No.
1: I'm not watching not. it. No, I'm not watching it. Also, I uh, something about the new season of that show happening um, made i forget who reposted this it was jezebel or whoever but that was like um hey remember when jerry seinfeld like dated an 18 year old for like four years um and i was like nope what and yep and that happened um back in like 1992 he straight up approached a young woman in a park who was a high schooler at the time um she turned 18 about two weeks after they met how old was he He's like 40. He's like 39. Ew, ew, ew. Yeah, and they dated for like 3 or 4 years.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, incorrect.
1: Yeah. Incorrect. I was like did not nope, didn't know that. Jerry Seinfeld, not that I'm like I mean, you huge... could
0: tell from just the like episodes of Seinfeld that he's kind of a creep.
1: Absolutely. I mean, he's just a
0: man. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, I don't need to watch him just talking to other men.
1: No, I don't. About like I mean, how, I know about that women, women are on that show, but I'm like, I don't. I just don't like. I feel like I. It's like more a, about so, him. There's so much theorizing about comedy, and I, I just I, I have find an appet- it very. T-
0: I find it tiresome.
1: I have an appetite for it to an extent, and I and I love stand-up comedy, and like I am right. here to like talk about it to an extent and and hear about it, but I don't need Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know. I don't need him driving around in a car talking about comedians and coffee. I can just watch the comedians if I like them. So apparently Ellen was on an episode and gave him some shit about something also, which, um, I don't really have any love lost for Ellen either, but, uh, I trying to remember what it was. She gave him shit about something related to the patriarchy and I can't remember what (laughs) it was, but anyway, good choice for not Thanks. watching i yeah thank you i yeah. agree yeah <laughs> hence my not watching it um <laughs> all right so i think that's it for us this week we got to wake up we got to get some coffee
0: yeah i got to get some coffee um i think next week we can talk the emmy nominations will be out so we'll yes. be, we can just go through the list and just the
1: complain of year yeah complain yeah. hopefully um be able to send sarah Gadon a uh, Congratulatory email. Yeah. <laughs> um or tweet. Uh and and we'll be basking in her multiple nominations, I'm sure, for the same role. Hundred <laughs> percent. Uh all right. We will talk to you later and that's it for Boottube. All right. Bye.